welcome to Dad Asks Mums. With me, Al Booth, I am the dad of Sienna, who's three. Sienna. And Alfie, who's five. Daddy is a bum cake. I'm also the fiancé of Kerry, who's... Asia, I'm not going to reveal, because the whole point of this podcast is that I'm talking to mums to learn how to be the best partner I can be and also to be the best dad I can be. But the one thing I already know is that to come on and reveal Kerry's age without asking her is a no-no. That would be foolish. So yeah, this is just a conversation with mums, um, sharing stories about children and about parenthood, but just getting different perspectives on it. The guest today is brilliant she is the internet mum she has a son who is very talented and has more than 13 million subscribers on youtube you might know him Uh, but she in her own right is great we're in for a lot of different things a roller coaster of emotions and laughing it's just stories her name is sarah simons there's something I find really interesting about fathers and daughters and mothers and sons because it kind of can influence their relationships. You know, he was my, my son's friend, and so, um, you know, there's still quite a lot. I'm obsessing myself talking about it, you can see. Are you at the stage where you go, people who aren't awake at 4 a.m. are just lazy? I didn't think I'd be back in that place like first have a new baby and your entire life is consumed with making sure that child is alive. (laughs) Sarah is the mum of the whole internet, as well as being a writer and a teacher and an LGBTQ plus ally. Uh, Her YouTube channel, Internet Mum, has more than 200,000 subscribers, more than 2 million views. I don't understand any of that. (laughs) Welcome to Dad Asks Mums, Sarah Simons, Internet Mum. Thanks very much for having me and it's lovely to be here. Before we go any further, can I just tell you about this Internet Mum business? Yeah, please do. That was going to be one of my first questions. What it was... Uh, I had lots and lots of young people messaging me with all sorts of problems and requests for advice and that sort of thing. And they'd all say, will you be my internet mum? And I didn't know what that was, but I kept hearing it again and again, you know, via tweets and via messages. I asked a few questions online and they kind of explained what it was. And I thought, oh, all right then. Yeah, fair dues. Yeah, I'm, 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 it's an absolute privilege to be internet mum. So what is Internet Mum? As far as I understand it, it's a person who is kind of an older person who is comforting and a bit more experienced, who provides kind of like a non-threatening area where people can talk to each other and know that they're not going to get judged. You know, people aren't going to be horrible to them because I just don't tolerate any of that on on my timeline you know i just think be in online as you would be in real life yeah yeah you know it's almost like a self-policing thing come and talk about what you want but be interested in other people be curious about other people ask them questions if you don't agree with them that's absolutely fine but find out about their views rather than just going no (laughs) dad ask mums The first question I always want to ask on this podcast is, what was the last conversation you had with your child? He rung me last night at about half past ten, and we talked about his book. Oh, wow. He works on YouTube. He's done very, very well. Amazing. Yeah, he's uh, in Sunday Times bestsellers, 
list. It's best selling on Amazon. It was number one on Amazon for a bit worldwide. But the proceeds from that are all going to Sarcoma UK. His friend, Technoblade, um, who died, who had sarcoma and was 23. And um, so we talked a lot about grief. And um, and I know a lot of the community, the online community, are, are very much grieving for him. Mm, yeah. Um, and he was, you know, he was my, my son's friend. And so, um, you know, there's still quite a lot. I'm obsessing myself talking about it. You can, you can say. Yeah, no, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. There's a lot to process when, you know, it kind of, Kids shouldn't be dying. It should be the parents who die before the kids. It's the wrong order. Yeah, yeah, completely. And that's why uh, his book is um, he's all going to the sarcoma charity because of Technoblade. You know, he wants to try and do something, if he can do something in any way, in any tiny way to kind of help, then that's a good thing. And we just talked about the good thing, you know. Yeah. Look, I've got all teary just talking. I'm sorry, I didn't mean for that to happen. I was like... No, no, it's it's um, it's a really strange thing seeing your kid grieving. Yeah. You know, somebody their own age. Especially that age as well, when they're still kind of, you're still trying to work yourself out well into your 20s, aren't you, you know? And... Yeah, Um. And when they're here, um, I digress a little bit. Before he left home last summer, not this year, last year, um, and they'd all, they were all uh, a tiny bit older, one year, two years older, and they'd all left home. They kept coming up to, li- to ours in Nottingham. So my front room was always full of blooming YouTubers, all these teenage millionaires all over my house. Well, with silly names, you know. I love the way you just say that normally. Yeah, yeah, they all have strange names. There's, there's, there's Rambo and Tubbo and Bilza, <laughs> Wilbur Soot, and all, they're all sort, they've all got strange names. I know, so my, my niece and nephew are, are 10 and 8, uh, and they're massively into it. So when I, I mentioned to my niece that I was, I was speaking to you and then talking to my niece and nephew about YouTubers and, and yeah, just like you, the names they use. And I'm like, how is this a normal conversation? <laughs> Last summer when there was always somebody on the sofa saying, what's your real name? I'm too old to be calling you Mr. Rambo. You know? <laughs> and um, yeah, they're not at all what you would assume. None of them are flash. None of them are... You'd have no idea that they were any different to any other kids. Do you know what I mean? They're a lovely, lovely group of young people. Now for the next bit. Now, in the back of my shedio, I have got a wheel made out of a cake base with an arrow made out of uh, some water found in my kid's play box and some numbers stuck on it. And that is called... Daddy! Get off. Diana. Right, okay, so I'm going to spin the, the daddy's disc and it'll always land on about four or five because, yeah, because you see the, the nail isn't in the centre because yeah. I'm not put it up very well. <laughs> uh, so here's the dilemma. I think this is probably quite fitting for you, especially for you, given your position as a mum to a, a son who is brilliant on YouTube. My son is obsessed with YouTube and he watches donkey videos, but then he gets into other videos. We kind of want him to encourage the I mean it was a bit awkward because my two I've got a two year old daughter as well and she does the alphabet and she goes XYZ oh, like, oh no, no everyone knows we've just left you in front of the telly. That's the worst thing. 
Yeah, well, yeah, forget about that. Everybody's getting, you know, everybody's kids are brought up by the telly and let's not pretend that they're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I was just wondering, you know, kind of, because um, obviously your son being 18 would have grown up in the age of online, really. And, and that's the bit that scares me stiff is online, social media, whereas your son's obviously made great friends through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have as well. I met Sarah. I got, I got my friend Sarah off Twitter. And I've got a new mate that's, that's from um, New Jersey that came over to stay with us a few weeks ago. I met her on Twitter and all, which is the thing that you go, don't do that, you're going to get murdered. <laughs> and like two of my bestest friends <laughs> met online. Exactly, yeah. Um, I would say with online stuff, set out boundaries and set your boundaries out with your kids. Get them to teach you what we've done. We had like a, a map, kind of drew a map of what platforms what games what ways of communicating with other people and you know we, we treated each one as a separate kind of entity rather than video games or social media we kind of took it apart with our kid so like for each one each platform wanted to know who it's possible to talk to can they see you can they hear you um, what do you talk about? What can you, you know, we wanted to know all the kind of safeguarding things for each one. As parents, your main job is to keep your kids safe, you know, in whatever context that means. So as an adult, would we go, go on, seven-year-old, go into that room and shut that door with lots of strangers talking about whatever you want and you'll probably be fine. We wouldn't do that. Of course we wouldn't. And we wouldn't have done that at 10 or at 14, you know, because it's it's not acceptable. So why would we think that that would be okay to do that online? We were super strict. You know, he wasn't allowed to play Grand Theft Auto. He wasn't allowed to play and until, you know, actually, <laughs> what time is it now? Um, he, wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't allowed to play that for years and years. And not that he'd want to, actually, but or Call of Duty and stuff like that where other kids were playing it at the age of 10 and, and whatever. And we're like, no, it's got an 18 certificate. Well, everybody else is playing it. And we're like, right, okay, should we go into the other room and shall we watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Because that's an 18, so you'd be absolutely fine watching that. Oh, uh, okay. And he's like, no, I don't want to watch that. We're like, there you go. Oh, that's good. You know, we absolutely weren't pushed around by what other kids were doing and what other... Yeah. Let's be honest, the kids probably weren't doing that. They were probably saying they were doing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it, we'd want to know what was happening on each platform. And, you know, if there's opportunity to speak to other people, can this be limited to people who you know from school? And do we know their parents? Because we're just not having a load of strangers in the house in, with you. It's just not on. One of the key things we did as well was to say, right, we'll review this in six months. And that's what we did. That's a brilliant way to do it. You know, and the other thing was we had the computer in the main room downstairs so we were around you know when he was t playing or talking or, or whatever and then as he got a little bit older we said right okay you can have it in your room but the door is always open when you're on your computer and that was when he was maybe early teens mm. then when when he got a little bit older it was like okay well we trust you and we always did trust him, but it was just having those conversations and that he was part of not like just dictating and smartphones smartphones is the big thing yeah my daughter sienna she now says daddy i want my phone i want my phone and it's like no it's mine and mummy's phone i mean we're terrible parents just saying this out loud i'm like oh my word this is awful 
And there's a difference between your daughter playing on your phone and playing things that you've given her to play on. I mean, she plays Call of Duty. She's smashing it. (laughs) (laughs) She's great. (laughs) But I mean, there's a difference between you giving her your phone to play on and here is your access to the internet to see whatever you want at any point. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It's frightening. Yeah, he was 13 when we let him have a, a smartphone and everybody else at school seemingly had one and they were doing things that you know in classes where it was everybody needed to use the smartphone for things and I'm a teacher you know I know that and and, I, and so he was saying well I need one for school it's like nah wait till you're 13 wait till you're 14 well, I can't even remember what age it was but it was much further on than all the other kids because we just said there's some things you can't unsee and it's we're not saying that we don't trust you what we don't trust is that you might accidentally search for something and something awful will come up you know what we don't trust is that it opens this avenue of communication that is there with you 24 hours. You know, if something's kicking off at school and people are communicating with each other about it, if you don't have the means to communicate about that, then you're getting a bit of rest from it. That's the bit that frightens me about being a parent. But as long as, you know, if Alfie grows up and he's constantly obsessed with donkeys, yeah, well into adulthood, that's okay. That's cool. I'll, I'll use your tech and I'll go, Would you, do you want us to go into the next room and fill it with donkeys? <laughs> you would flipping love that. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'd come round yard and play with the donkeys, please. <laughs> we would be the most popular kid in school. Now for the next bit. I saw your video, your, one of your first videos, which was explaining where you're a bit lost because you're a mum and a daughter. Yeah. Yeah, and at the time when I did that first video, my son was still living at home and my dad was living here as well. And I couldn't work because, you know, there was I was looking after my dad all the time. And um, it just got to the point where I just felt like my function was to make sure everybody else was all right. And, you know, there are times when that feels kind of more natural for the woman especially, but not exclusively to feel like their function is to look after everybody else. You know, when you've got a new baby, things like that, it's kind of generally agreed, certainly from oldie-fashioned times, that the woman is the person who makes sure that the baby's okay and uh, kind of keeps everything going. Obviously, that's not necessarily relevant now, but it's, you know, there's these periods where you kind of expect that. I'm 50 next year and I have lots of opportunities with my career and, you know, lots of things going on. I didn't expect that, you know, looking after my dad at at that point, it's not the same now. And looking after my son because we had all sorts of things kicking off with his exciting career. I, I didn't think I'd be back in that place like, you know, when you first have a new baby and your entire life is consumed with making sure that that child is alive (laughs) yeah 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 the very basic yeah yeah and you know as soon as I kind of um acknowledged that I thought right okay well I need to sort myself out I can't let myself get lost you know because and I also I didn't want to do any sort of chuffing martyr thing I was looking after my dad because I wanted to look after my dad because there wasn't an alternative within the family either so it felt like that felt like the right thing to do at the time And looking back, I'm glad we did because it was like the last few months of him being a similar similar person to who he was. You know, now he's absolutely in his own world. 
So, you know, I don't regret that at all. But at that time when I did the video, I was just really lost. Yeah. How are you doing now? I'm okay. I'm okay. Ironically, my son, who is 18 now, he's moved away. He lives in Brighton. He's easy peasy. He's no worries at all. You know, he should be the one that's that I'm worried about and I'm stressed about. And as much as online, he gives this persona of being absolutely bonkers and chaotic and all over the place. <laughs> and he does have so much of that in him. He's also really together and, and so much more sensible and, and mature than I was at his age and sometimes than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just tend not to worry about him because I know he's all right and he'll be all right and he's good at exploring how what he's feeling. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, and he's really analytical with stuff. It, it, like he shouldn't be the easy bit, but he is. <laughs> He was still only 17 when he left home and, and moved to Brighton. And because he wasn't, you know, going the, the the route that, you know, we thought he would, which would be finishing college, he was at Confetti, um, and going and studying some more for another three years, you know, and then going out into the world because he'd just gone from our house to his own entire huge life. As much as, you know, he has structure in his life, I didn't have the structure of thinking, well, he's going to be coming home at Easter. He's going to be coming home for three weeks at Christmas. I've got three months with him when over the summer. Brilliant. It just went from us to, oh, he can do whatever he wants, which was really frightening at first. It's time for a question. This is called Dad Asks Mums. You're a mum. Is there anything you would like to ask me as a dad? So how old are yours? Uh, five and two. How are you managing with the sleeping? We're not. Oh. Alfie just comes into our room like he owns it. He used to ask, he used to go, mummy, mummy. And we'd go in and get in with his bed. But now he doesn't. He just gets up and just wanders in like someone's just entering the office in the morning. Ah. Climbs over Kerry because Kerry's got the side nearest the door uh, and then just gets in the middle. I'm sure he sharpens his elbows before he goes to bed. He's got like a little elbow sharpener. And yeah, and then I invariably have to go into his bed. Are you at the stage where you go, people who aren't awake at 4am are just lazy? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Lazy, yeah. lazy bastards not up at four. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I loved it when they were kids, well, they are kids, obviously, when they were babies. I, I used to watch entire Netflix series at 4am. I'd stay up and do the late feeds and, st and then I'd get a bit of a lie in because I was like, yeah, I did that and that was a great. Sienna now, she sleeps through, but she cries out. So you wake up. That's the, I think that's even worse than Alfie getting in the bed because she cries out and you're like, right, what? And she's just like, hmm. And you think, what, what a wasted cry that was. <laughs> did your son ever get in your bed? Yeah, I can't even remember. I can't. I think I must have blocked it. <laughs> I just remember being so tired in a way that I'd, I'd never experienced before and never realised could be so kind of zombie tired. Where there were days where I was just going through the motions and and trying not to crash the car or yeah yeah you know that sort of that sort of tiredness. What I do remember is everything being a phase. You know, and there's some phases lasting longer than others. And I just think that's what life is. It's going through one phase after another. And at that point, when you, your kids are so little, their phases are so intense that you're living it with them. But, you know, that's true into adulthood as well, isn't it? I think that's the thing. You get through having young kids who don't sleep. You get through anything. Oh, and people talk such bollocks about it all. You know, how, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, f***. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've been trying not to, but it goes against me now. <laughs> you know, I'm probably just going to explode into a load of expletives. <laughs> Let it all go. You know, I've kept it all in so long. You know, people do talk bollocks about babies and toddlers and stuff. It being all, you know, like a Disney film. You know, 99% absolute boredom and <laughs> exhaustion and 1% the most joy you know could even dream of having that yeah that is so true there's something weird in the in the human brain that just makes you remember all the the good bits that's why we've got two because we're just like we completely forgot about all the sleepless nights and everything with the first we're like ah isn't it lovely let's have oh yeah but the older my lad got the more interesting and more fun i found him which is kind of the opposite to what you told you know most people are told like oh i wish there were babies no they're boring they don't do anything you know yeah i know the the you you know cuddles and love and all that business of course you love them of course you know you do you do anything for them when they start being able to have minds of their own and conversations and arguments and stuff then it gets then it gets for me it got interesting I don't like the arguments. I don't have the answers. That's the thing. But that's okay. It's all right not to know everything, isn't it? You know the why not? Why not? I don't know. (laughs) I think I'm just trying to be what a dad should be. I think I read about it somewhere. (laughs) I don't know. Go on, go on. Eat the lard. (laughs) And then see what happens. (laughs) Right. What is the one question you hoped that I, as a dad, would ask you as a mum? I've been thinking a lot with my dad at the moment about the relationship between dads and daughters and how important that is as the very first male role model. Um, and the person, and it's, and it's such a cliche, but the person who, who seemed to have got this right, who was the only person who talked about this in the media at the time, seemed to have been Dawn French's dad. <laughs> You know, the way that she talks about how her dad told her she was wonderful and absolutely beautiful and, and you know, he, he never even mentioned her size or her appearance, really. Well, he mentioned her appearance, but only in a you are strong and powerful and beautiful and you can do whatever you want, you know, and which kind of the way she talked about it seemed to really kind of put a solid base into her self-esteem and her self-worth and her confidence. And and I know that's, you know, there's a similar thing with fathers and sons, but I was particularly interested in terms of helping a young woman develop her confidence through the influence she has from her dad. Yeah. Do you know, it's really, I welled up a bit there because that's such a, my mum lost her dad when she was 32 and she talks about him all the time. There's such a, this amazing way and he sounds like such an and I was four when he died and I wish I'd known him because he just sounds incredible and I'm so mindful of that with my own daughter I just want her to only have positive affirmations for me and and to be able to talk to me and to just have our little moments and I can't ever imagine saying anything negative to her about her appearance about anything just just make her strong and I think there's a thing as well about appearance to do with the irrelevance of it Hmm. Yeah, you're beautiful, but that doesn't matter. Well, you're beautiful, but the more importantly, you're strong and you're clever. And And you're you're, kind. And and you're kind. Yeah. And appearance being way behind on on what matters. And I think we're kind Mm. of conditioned to hit appearance first and those other things, you know, as lesser. 
and I think it's just you know it's, it's it's something that's that's shoved at us from all directions, and and it's hard not to have that perspective, regardless of your relationship with your child or your parent or, or do you know what I mean or anybody, especially to do with women, to do with girls. You know, prettiness equals goodness. You know, yeah. Completely. What we always say is, she's you know she's this like blue eyes, got eyelashes like a cow, really long eyelashes, like a beautiful cow um, and ringlets. And oh, she's that sort of, some, I was speaking to another friend who said she's like from a pear soap advert. And, you know, you always talk well about your kids. And yeah, she's, she's, but we always say you're beautiful and Alfie, you're handsome, but you're kind and you're funny and you're caring. And that is the most important thing. And we always, always, always say that. And the influence that you as the first male role model mm. is, I, I don't know, there's something I find really interesting about fathers and daughters and mothers and sons, because it kind of can influence their relationships with the opposite sex, you know, and the way that they treat them and the way that they behave around them. Yes. It's such a responsibility. Oh, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel that every day and I'm very aware of how I talk or how my partner and I talk together around the kids because they're learning from that and they're learning how to treat others and how to be treated. Like you say, how a little girl grows up into a woman who knows her worth and knows how she should be treated and spoken to. And actually, if you're not in a certain way, then that's not right and that's not good for you. And I mean, there's also stuff to do with that, that how much of that comes from, you know, it's the nature nurture thing as well. And there's, there's all those elements as well. It's not completely straightforward, is it? But I think it makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and, and Sienna is so headstrong. And when she's a teenager, I'm going to create a man cave in the loft and hide up there for about seven years, I think. <laughs> I think that's how to go. We shall see. Well, I'll come back to you in, in what, 13 years and go, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just have fun. I think that's all I'm coming down to. Just be positive and have fun and just laugh. That's what I th- I hope. I'm trying to teach them in the Homer Simpson way, trying to teach my son that it's, it's very important to be funny. If you're funny, you will get out of a lot of situations. Yeah, your writing's great. Well done. You're really good at reading for five and proud. Be funny. What's the punchline though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, what's, who's your audience? Who are you aiming to make laugh with have a song for bed. I'd always like to finish this rather awkwardly with, um, was there a song that you used to sing to your Tom to get him to sleep? We did have a song, but it was about our Nora the dog. Uh, Nora died about three years ago. We got her 18 months before I had Tom and she was a teeny weeny little pup we got from the RSPCA. So they kind of grew up together. She had a lovely life. She was an absolute arsehole. What the actual hair? She hated us. She hated being around us from about the age of eight. Yeah, she just couldn't be doing with us at all. And we loved her so much. So we went to the vets and we knew it was it was the last day. And we went when there was nobody else there. They organised it so it was just us. And we sat on the floor uh, of the waiting room with Nora. And um, she was sat with us and I stroked her head. And she used some of the last heartbeats to get up and go over the other side of the room and lay down so she could just be away from us. It's <laughs> like, you absolute arsehole. She, yeah, right to the end. She was, you know, giving us the dog middle finger equivalent. You know, some of the last heartbeats were used to, you know, tell us to fuck off. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we loved her so much. So yeah, we used to make up little songs about about Nora, and uh, we used to sing sing Nora songs. Can you sing one now? No. <laughs> oh, you sod. No. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was like, well, how lovely. No, we liked a lot of Bruce Springsteen as well. Okay. In fact, this is like the worst parent thing ever, looking back. <laughs> and I don't know if times had changed now. Tom was only about six or seven, and we all, we loved Bruce Springsteen, and it was we still do. And um, he put out this kind of almost gospely type of album, which is how Tom learned Days of the Week. It was this little light of mine, yeah. Monday, da, 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 Tuesday, da, and that, so that's how we learned Days of the Week through it from Bruce Springsteen. Anyway, when Tom was about six or seven, he was on tour, and we got tickets. Well, like. It's during the week, though. What are we going to do? So I thought, right, we'll be completely open about it. We'll go and see his head teacher and say, would it be possible? We understand they're not allowed to have time off school, but we've got these tickets and it will be his first gig. And she went, yeah, <laughs> enjoy yourselves. That's brilliant. What an exciting experience for him. So, yeah, he was about seven. And he went to Springsteen. Yeah. That's cool. What cool parents. No, no, not at all. Taking your son out of school to see Bruce Springsteen, that is like, that is ultimate. He was allowed, we asked. Oh, did you do that? that that's something we're experiencing with our son at the moment, That the whole because my parents live two and a half hours away, so if we go for a long weekend, Alfie, who feels perfectly fine, suddenly has developed a cold. We're like gaslighting him. <laughs> Going, oh, Alfie, what's that cold? He's like, what do you mean? Oh, we can't go to Sunday night. Remember, remember you had that cold, so you just maybe sniff a bit. Oh, flipping it, that's terrible. <laughs> Next time, I'll just say we're going to see Bruce Springsteen. Every time we take him to go to Yorkshire, just going to see Bruce Springsteen. Um, I think everything changed for us when he went to junior school. Primary school, when he was teeny-weeny, we were kind of like, yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? You know, and it, of course it does matter. I'm a teacher. I'm, you know, <laughs> I totally get that if they miss stuff, it's hard to catch up. And those early years are so important. But at the same time, it's oh, it, it's hard to kind of rationalise that as a parent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I totally had a teacher-parent argument in my own head about stuff like that. Oh, my dad used to take me out of school loads to go and watch the football if it was a midweek match, you know, and I got an F in maths. So Nobody cared then, though, did they? No. Nobody gave it then, did they, about having... No, no exactly. But, you know, there's... <sighs> Yeah, it's difficult to rationalise between my teacher head and my parent head. I can see that. I can see there's there's the teacher doing the right thing and you took your son out of school to see Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the best one. That's the one you should live by. Uh, thank you so much. That was fun. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely. Bye-bye. There you go, Sarah Simons, who's just brilliant, isn't she? Um, that was so much fun. You can check out Sarah on her socials as well. Uh, on Twitter, she is at Mrs. Sarah Simons, or if you want to follow her on YouTube, where she does loads of streaming, at Sarah Simons Internet Mum is her address. Or you can be one of the 13 million people who follow her son at Tommy Innit on YouTube. And he's everywhere as well, as you'd expect. Uh, also, it was just a brilliant conversation. I really loved that. It was, 
really funny in parts. She genuinely made me like belly laugh, but also just really moving. And uh, if you were affected by anything that we talked about in this episode, then I'm going to put some links onto uh, in the show notes and, you know, wherever you read the blurb from the podcast, it's all in there just to, to help you out if you're connecting to anything that, that Sarah talked about there. If you would like to be on the show on Dad Asks Mums, you can follow me on Twitter at Dad Asks Mums, on Instagram at Dad Asks Mums, and also you can just email me, which is completely different to all those addresses, al at albooth.co.uk. Right, that's it. Until the next episode, by the way, uh, if you want to check out any other episodes, my daughter is going to tell you how shortly. But until then, take care of yourself, and I shall see you soon. You can get this wherever you get your podcast. Come back soon. Turn it off. Oh dear. <laughs>